Irregular listeners of this show know about my love of the Beatles and, and every and anything related to them. Well, as you know, by reading the description, this week's guest is May Pang, John Lennon's girlfriend during his famous Lost Weekend. And May stars in a new documentary about that time. And you know what? It's, it's, I'm not going to waste any more time with the preamble. It's time for Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. So this week, no Dave. It's, it's it's just me. I kicked Dave out so May and I could uh, spend some time together. It's a big thrill for me, May. First of all, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. That was funny. I yes. watched the just documentary. The two of us. Yes, just the two of us. I, I watched the documentary. It's fantastic. Um, oh, it's really you. a great story. It's called The Lost Weekend, A Love Story. Um just to set the stage for us, uh, and I'll get into a little more specific questions later, but can you tell us the exact time period we're talking about? In this case, it'd be um, 73, 19, 19, God, it sounds so terrible, <laughs> so far away. It's only 50 years ago. Oh, it's only, and yes, <laughs> and can you believe it is, it is 50 years ago this whole thing started. Um, 1973 to the beginning of 1975 <laughs> excuse me okay i'm still choking from before yeah uh, but 1975 and we touch on a little bit time after that but that's the time frame okay now i it actually is even before that a little bit too right because uh how old were you when you first started working for them was it in 73 that you started working for john and yoko no okay yeah i <laughs> no. thought so i thought it was before that <clears throat> Because you were there it, it for was. Imagine. When I, I In the film, you were there for the yes. uh, making of Imagine. So tell us about meeting them and it getting started. It even goes back even further than that. It goes back. My first um, uh, part to, to partake in was in their uh, movies called um, Up Your Legs Forever, where, <laughs> you know, you go and ask people to donate their leg for peace. And, um, and Fly which was the other one. So I started that, that let's see, that was in December of 70. So I had just turned 20. <laughs> okay. And, and we're talking about some pretty unusual projects, right? I mean, uh, fly was yeah. about a naked woman who had just had a fly walking all over her. Right. True. Then yeah. it was all done. It was all shot in the dead of winter. So it was kind of hard to get flies, but they had apparently, you know, because there's a lot of people working on it. They got some people to to order flies from, I guess, a laboratory that you can buy them. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. Exactly. And then when we, yeah, and then when you exhaust that and it doesn't work anymore, you we were trying to catch them in Chinese restaurants. And, you know, I had college students coming out and say, let's try. We got to catch some flies. <laughs> that is, it's a very glam. Showbiz is very glamorous, isn't it? Oh, I mean, you, you read about all these all these things that oh everybody's oh you're so lucky. I said not if you're working hours upon hours and and it's just forever, you know that type of thing. And in, you don't get sleep, and it's you know you're you're doing the most unusual uh, things to to get this film made. I mean, the first one was actually up your legs forever, and it was quite interesting when when Yoko came over to me and she said and she said okay. 
I want you to call these people up, tell them you work for me, you're my assistant. And she said, and tell them if they can come down and donate their legs for peace. So I'm looking at this, uh, this list in her phone book. You know, we're talking about Jackie Kennedy. We're, we're talking about Andy Warhol. We're talking about the, the, the cream of the crop of people. These, and, you know, and I'm saying, yes, hi. Can you come down and donate your leg for peace? And then we and then we got your local people that, you know, there were a couple of other people working, but I was the one on the phone. Uh, the other people were downstairs trying to get people off the street. Can you come up here and donate your legs for peace? It's a project, you know. And, and somebody would say, you mean they're upstairs? John Lennon and Yoko Ono are upstairs? They say, yes. They're the filmmakers. They're the directors. And they're... And, you know, then there was the rush of people coming upstairs. Yeah. You know, could you imagine? I mean, I was just happy. I I didn't do it. I just said, I'm not I'm not doing this one. So um, it was nice that I can just I to get on the phone. That was me. Did you get any bad responses from anybody? Did anybody just, you know, hang up on you? A lot of them laughed. A lot of them laughed. And, you know, I mean, they go, donate your legs for peace. How much of the leg are you showing? I said, I just need you from your toes to your thigh. I mean, I had a whole uh, repertoire going, you know, telling people. Yeah. So we did that for a couple of days. (laughs) And then... um, and then after that, uh, then we went on to the next one. I mean, other people knew what our uh, what the agenda was, you know, and I had no idea. I get there, and then they said, "Okay." I said, "What? What's going on?" You know, John was just sitting around. It was really basically Yoko's uh, short film that was being made. Right. It so, sounds. It sounds like a Yoko project. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, so, having yeah. having watched the the film now. Um, I have to say that, to me, the most uh, poignant moments in the documentary were really uh, the parts with you and Julian. Um, Ah. Two of you have an obvious affection for each other. Um, You experience a lot together during your time, you know, because John was out doing stuff, you know, and, and Julian was able to hang out. You went to the set of Happy Days. You, you know, did all sorts of cool stuff together. Um but you two obviously love each other. It's that's that's very touching. Thank you. I mean, I, I do love my. You know, it was. Uh, he was. He is. He was a great kid because he's no longer a kid. Yeah. Um, and let's. And I'm just going to say right here, we don't want to give away uh, the whole thing so that people need to see the movie so they can get the feel of just what what went on. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I'm. I'm essentially <laughs> not telling some of the big uh, reveals. Yeah. There. Um. I just want people to be surprised. Um, I think the the whole thing is that Julian, he, you know, he. It's like any any kid from any family. You need um, you want to see your parents. If they're not together, you want to see them at different times. And I thought it was very important um, for John to see Julian and for Julian to see John. And it's had been a while, and. Um, I was glad that I can help put that together. And I was also happy that I could give um, Cynthia Lennon, you know, John's first wife, some closure to her relationship with with John as well, because she hadn't seen him all these years. So it was um, I was just glad that I can I can make it all work. Yeah, well, uh, to me, the, the the movie has a lot of revelations in it, and 
one of them is just a complete uh, misunderstanding of what the lost weekend even was, um, how it started and all that stuff. I mean, it. most Beatles fans think they know it, but there are myths and legends that are just not true. And would you like to dispel some of those? What what have you been heard? What have you heard all these years that you go? That's not true. Oh, there's plenty out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've had people come up to me and say, I know everything about you. And I'll yeah. just look at them and go, oh, that's nice. Uh-huh. You do. They go, yes, absolutely. You don't have to tell me anything. I know everything about you. And um, I think one of the big myths uh, is probably the, the fact that Yoko had sent us to um, L.A. She, you know, she didn't. She right. didn't even she wasn't in town. John decided to do that. And uh, he wanted us to go. That was one of those big things. That's a pretty that, big uh, thing, by the way, <laughs> you know, as opposed <laughs> to the way it's been portrayed all these years. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, I I'm I'm one of the little guys in that sense that uh, I I, you know, everybody liked to follow the party line. And, you know, I'm I'm still a working person and I'm, you know, I do everything. I don't I don't have the 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 um, I guess the what most celebrities have, you know, somebody to to take care of the the, um, you know, the press. Right. So I just I just do what I can do, as it were. Now, um some of the things also were true uh, as far as how wild it was and how wild John got in particular. And um, then, okay, and, I, yeah, I can right. deal with that. Isn't that true? But I'm going to tell you that's another myth in there too. Is it? Okay. Well, think, okay, when you read and you read the story, and this is where the lost weekend for him, how it had started, because he he loves to use those metaphors. And, you know, at that time, and I'm sure a lot of the younger set would never know that the lost weekend was also a movie that Ray Milan was in, you know, about right. a guy who was a who was a drunk every night. Yeah. And when people would ask him, they would say, you know, it was a long lost weekend and, you know, that type of thing. But <clears throat> but here's the thing. When you read it, it's the same almost the same two or three, you know, uh, incidents. incidents right. Yeah. So now that's carried on for a full year and a half with me. And that's not the way it actually happened. So if I, you know, you read about it, you're, you're hearing about the, the troubadour. And, and then if you read it, it's about the same story that happened only with, you know, we just uh, put it into another publication. Was that the, is that the Smothers Brothers uh, concert story? Yeah, that's the, the one. Well, a couple yeah. Of, yeah, that one was, uh, the, that was the biggest. And so... That's everything. Almost everything happened, like basically at the Troubadour. So it was uh, the same three that we're talking about over and over. But um, yes, and then there was definitely uh, Phil Spector. That was the other. Yeah. Uh, uh, But, you know, didn't they call this group the Hollywood Vampires? And, and, you know, that was a name that was given after. It wasn't before. And John is only an honorary member. Oh, he okay. wasn't there. <laughs> okay. He was not there full time. I mean, Harry Nielsen, Alice Cooper, I believe uh, Mickey Dolenz, because they all lived in Hollywood. We right. were the visitors. And that was another myth. We did not live in L.A. We were visitors and we would fly out of there, come back. We always considered New York our home. And that, you know, that was another thing that I just did not realize it. 
um, you know, I always thought of John as, you know, this multi-gazillionaire, you know, hundred millionaire. And he was on a budget of like $3,000 a month when you guys were in L.A., right? Absolutely. Well, it was even less. What had happened, we borrowed money um to for our household me and john where the because we were in the middle of a lawsuit um he was really and and uh and so the receivership uh in england said okay all all four guys got a budget of like three thousand dollars that's amazing and (laughs) yeah I know, but remember, three thousand dollars in those days. I know, but still, a lot more. It's still sounds. I know, right? I I mean, he was driving around in a Rolls Royce uh, in England before that, so you know, uh, not here, not not in. No, we were we were couch surfing, and I've never seen so many homes that supposedly John and I stayed at during our quote lost weekend. Oh, really? I mean, every time I read it, it was like, this is where they live. This is, you know, and I'm reading and I'm going, I don't know this address. I don't know whose house this is. <laughs> Who did we visit? You know, because we only stayed and I and I will say this. We only stayed in our lawyer's place that was in West Hollywood. We stayed uh, after that at Lou Adler's place. Beautiful home up in, you know, out in Bel Air that he loaned us. For a short time, uh, the third place we stayed in it was uh, the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Uh, both the new part and the old part. The new part had had um, was modern, and there was a, a duplex apartment that we stayed in. And we had um, it was kind of funny because it was it was either Ringo and and us, or it was Harry Nielsen t- took over when Ringo left. You know, it was, that was a, re- um, a revolving. Uh, door on one of the bedrooms uh-huh. and um and then the last one was the famous beach house that we right. had out in santa, Mo- yeah. santa monica we'll get into so, that in those a are second, the yeah. only four places folks that's oh. it okay so if you hear any other place it's a lie it just did not right. happen or we could have visited but that was not a place we stayed okay definitely. now uh tell me about your 23rd birthday because if if i'm not mistaken that was a big deal uh in this film i'll tell you what i did on my 23rd birthday i went to my mom's <laughs> house and she made me a grilled cheese sandwich uh tell me about your 23rd birthday because it sounded like a well, little more exciting than mine you think i don't you yeah. know i i did not expect um it was a it was a morning and we were um <laughs> and i got this got this uh key and it was to a, a, a used car i wish i knew where it was now but it was to a 68 barracuda yeah and you know it was fabulous you could drive i and that's all it needed and that was my birthday gift along you know as the major gift from um from john because i did the driving it was it was just you know he liked the idea there was no limo no nothing it was just the two of us so i you know took care of that and it was great because i would drive everybody around and then of course we went on to the studio that day and we were filming a promo video for mind games (laughs) and on that day where you know we go to the studio uh tony king who was one of our uh, general manager from uh, Apple Records in England, we had him dress up like the Queen of England. And how fitting. Yeah. And um, Tony King as the Queen. Uh-huh. So, and that on that day, 
he also introduced one of his close friends to us and to to John especially uh his name is Elton John yeah so that's when we all met it was on my birthday yeah and then you had a grilled cheese so, sandwich or the, and then no. <laughs> let's see did I have that I'm not sure if I had the grilled cheese but I know I was maybe with my bacon and eggs I like that for breakfast you know you Who know knows? what what is cool about uh your movie is just the uh the sheer number of important events that you witnessed, I mean, like historical events that uh, happened during this lost weekend, which is considered, you know, a lost weekend. Hey, it was one of John's most productive eras musically, don't you think? Oh, well, I'd be biased, but I would say so, because I could name a few things that happened during that time period. <laughs> yeah, well, all right. Tell and me I, tell me about uh, – I'll, I'll list some, and you don't, you don't have to okay. tell me all of these, but just tell me which ones you want to. Uh, there was the night Phil Spector pulled out a gun during a recording session. Uh, the, the inspiration for uh, – and the recording of Whatever Gets You Through the Night, which was John's first number one hit since the Beatles. It's the only – it was the only number one hit that he had in his lifetime. Right. Uh, and the single, yeah. The recording of Harry Nielsen's album in the house that you mentioned, uh, the beach house. <laughs> the the very yeah. last time John and Paul played together, you you witnessed that the moment the Beatles officially ended, you took the picture. John's last public performance on stage with Elton John in Madison Square Garden, you were there. There's this really unusual story about John and Paul and and running into each other in cabs <laughs> side by side cabs yeah um uh-huh. pick a story and tell me any of those because those were unbelievable <laughs> okay let me see which is the best one i think um well you know like i'll, I'll choose the the phil specter with the gun how's that great okay because that's come out a few times i think once I wrote about that, everybody then came out with a story about Phil. Yeah. You know, we were doing a playback at um, at that point. It was the Record Plant Studios. And we were listening back to the song. And John and, and um, had gone into another room, the, they, the client area, with Phil and Mal Evans, who was, of course, the, you know, the, the roadie, the original roadie from the Beatles. Right. So... We're listening, and all of a sudden, I hear this big pop, and you see everybody's head, everybody just ducking. But I'm just such a New City, New York City girl. I'm going, what was that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> not thinking what it might be, you know. And the person standing next to me, which is really amazing, was Phil's mother. Whoa. She was actually standing. Yes. I had Mother Bertha standing next to me. She happened to come into this, to the studio. I never thought I would meet her, but she was standing next to me. And I remember running towards the sound, opening up the door, and I'm seeing John with his finger in his ear going, Phil, Phil, you're going to shoot, shoot me. You know, basically that's what he was saying because, you know, he goes, I need these ears to listen, you know? And, and, Phil holding the gun and Mal Evans grabbing it out of his hand. He goes, you shouldn't have this. And Phil says, you can't tell me what to do type of thing. And um, and I finally said, can someone just tell me what just happened? Uh, you know, I, I, I was almost, even though I was the youngest in this group, you thought I was the oldest. 
because of I took charge of what was going on. And um, Mal said, oh, we were just horsing around. And Phil kept hitting Mal in the nose. And so all uh, Mal did was say, hey, Phil, can you not do that because it hurts me? Because Mal could have crushed him because Mal was a big right. guy and Phil was oh, a little absolutely. guy. Oh, absolutely. He was like six, uh, yeah. six, four, six, five, big, you know, brawny type of man. And this Phil, who's like maybe five, four, five, five in and, and his Cuban heels. And I'm sitting there going, what, what, what just, what? You know, and they're saying, oh, we were, you know, horsing around and he kept hitting me in the nose. All he goes, all I do is ask him to stop. Wow. And Phil did not like that. And as he's pulling the gun out of his holster, the gun goes off. He could have shot somebody. So now, fast forward, everybody, everybody calm down. We all went back to, to listening to the playback. Next day, John and I are uh, at, at a restaurant and Mal's looking for us. And he says, oh. he goes, there you are. I said, what? And he goes, I've been looking for you. We said, well, why? He goes, well, here's the bullet from last night. Oh, my God. <laughs> and John and I were just like, bullet? What bullet? All this time that John and I had seen Phil carry a gun, we really thought they were blanks. Oh, my so God. Oh, my the, God. Okay. So that's what, so that's the, the story from that. In front of his mother. Yes. <laughs> That's the shocking part to me. <laughs> oh, there's other things that are shocking. I've seen him in court in front of a judge who's not exactly, you know, I'm just like, John and I were kind of like freaked out thinking you would think he would be a little more calmer being in a court uh, of law, but no. Yeah, he well, still acted a little wild. Did not turn out well for him, as it turns mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Um, no, it didn't. And, you know, we were none of us, you know, none of the friends. We all talked about it. We were, you know, you're you're shocked by the by what happened by the events, but we were none of us were really that surprised by it either. Tell us about that last uh, appearance that he did at Madison Square Garden because I think at the. It's painted beautifully. the The story is told beautifully in the in the film. But if you can give us just like a little encapsulation of what what people can see when they see this movie. Oh, I think um, you know it's it's uh, it's John going through those paces and you know in the in the back. Um, he was nervous that night. There was no two ways about it. And he when we got on stage when he got on stage. He, he made sure that I was within full view so he can see me. He wanted to see my immediate reaction to him singing. And um, and it was right, right past Elton's uh, piano. That's where I was standing so he can so that when John turned his head to the right, he could actually just see me. And uh, he was he was so thrilled. He was so thrilled at the end of the night that it was over. Yeah. And that's another myth. You know, everybody thought that, you know, our relationship had ended and that's not what happened. Right. Um, we we continued on. I know because that's that's one of the big myths that he went home. He did this. That's not what happened. Right. Yeah. That's that's another interesting thing. And I, I urge people to check out the movie to see those other stories. I'm not going to make you tell them all because they're all in the movie. <laughs> um, so they're all they're all worth seeing. And the, the John and Paul stuff to me is always the most interesting because of their 
complicated relationship. I think that'd be a, a, a fair way of putting it, wouldn't you? Yes. And I mean, you know, just so you know, they they, they did have a, a very complicated relationship. But um, let me put it this way, that when I was around, um, we saw a lot of them. Right. So that's so, that's a good that's yeah. a good thing. Um, yeah. And I was actually touched by the love story uh, between you and John, too, and that it's it's a much deeper thing than people think. And I, and I just the, you should just go watch it. I, I That's my best advice to you. If you're a Beatles fan like me, you'll love it. But here's something I, I, I will never get a chance to ask anyone. Uh, so I have to ask you. OK. OK. <laughs> we, we call this show Minutia Men Celebrity Interview because we kind of get into the minutia sometimes of uh, celebrities lives. And um, you can answer some questions that nobody else in the world can answer. All right. And here they okay. are. You, are you getting nervous? <laughs> oh, I'm no. shaking. Here we go. What? What kind of snack food did John eat? What was his like go-to munch on? I want to get some food. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, he would eat anything. He really, when we were together, he'd um, he eat anything. You know, he he just if if mine was potato chips, he was munching on those as well. You know, anything that was around, he would he would munch on. Um, he he liked his coffee in the morning just so that you know that he um he was he was a big uh coffee drinker he always used to say when you're in america you drink the coffee when you're in england you drink tea yeah makes sense and then what about uh all right here's one for you his favorite brand of toothpaste or shampoo or both if you know i'm just trying to think i think it's whatever i don't think he really had it's whatever you um, gave him, then, basically, right? Yeah, it was whatever. You know, I think probably back then, I think uh, the toothpaste was probably Colgate for all we know, because it, 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 the variety is not as big as it is now. That's true. You know? It was either so Crest sure. or Colgate, basically, in those yeah. days. Yeah. And, you know, and shampoo was not as big what we have now either. So if, whatever it is, if, if it smelled good, if it got your hair clean, that's what that's what uh you know he used and um we kept the the um place fairly good for him and you know he the one thing i didn't have and i'm not sure it was available to the public was that he he always used to tell julian don't forget to brush your teeth the english have terrible teeth Yes, right. and john was very careful about that because he 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 would always say i have a hole in my tooth you know, because that's where the food got trapped. And I I understand that when the food gets trapped in there, I'm looking for the floss immediately, you know, yes. that type of thing. But um, he liked to also um, brush his tongue. You know, he always, you know, go. and I, yeah, he was very keen on that. And I used to carry his toothpick. And I found it the other day in one of in one of my drawers. You know, I keep all sorts of little things, and I just found his toothpick that I would carry in my bag for him whenever he needed it. Okay, the, see now we're getting some information here that other people don't get. The other thing is, uh, you mentioned in the movie that he watched a ton of TV. The TV was on all the time. Oh. What was his favorite show? What did, what were what were some of the types of things that he liked to watch? You know, he was, um, it's, 
His favorite show, I will say, was Johnny Carson. He never met the man. Wow. He loved Johnny Carson. Yeah, he loved Johnny Carson. Uh, of course, remember the, when the Beatles came and they finally got on the Tonight, the, the Tonight Show, it was Joe Gargiola. That's who was the, right. So it wasn't it wasn't Johnny. And I'll never forget if you, when you see it, you see you see John going, "Where's Johnny?" He was so disappointed. <laughs> um, but he loved he really loved watching him. He just thought he was brilliant. And uh, but and then of course later on we had the uh, on the advent of of having cable. He was channel surfing all the time on cable because that was. You know that was like the Exotic. wild frontier. Yeah, yeah. All those, all those, uh, everything from porn to to you know to uh, evangelists. Uh, you know, like Reverend Ike, and that's how he got whatever gets you through the night. You yeah. know, so watching straight all around um, different variety of shows out there. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, and then thank you for doing the interview. You've been very patient with me. Um, if people want to find out more about you and the film, where can they do that? Well, right now they can go on the lost weekend tickets.com and the event of, uh, they want, they should go to the theater because this is, you know, this is the movie in the big theater and it's going to sound great. It's uh, filmed, um in 4k and the sound is 5.1 you're going to hear that um and they should do it for april 13th this is where they can find out where it's playing close to them somewhere hopefully um meanwhile uh i'm also doing a photo photo exhibition tour and you know over the summer i'm adding different things onto um, my tour they could probably find out either on my Facebook or my, um, or my website, you know, we'll be, I'll be putting that out where I'm going to be. Hopefully I'll be coming to Chicago. That'd be great. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so the website meet. is maypang.com. Is that, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I see. I just guessed. How simple. Isn't that, isn't that impressive? How simple. <laughs> well, if, you... if I made it any more complicated, it'd be like, you know, I know someone said that to me. They said, Oh, it's it's your name. It's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> said, yeah. How about it? <laughs> it's called branding. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I appreciate you being on the show, May. If you do come to Chicago, uh, I will try to track you down and we can uh, meet in person. And um, I really enjoyed this very much. Thanks for uh, being on the show. Oh, thank you. I had a great time, you know, so that's wonderful. Thank you. And um, hopefully everybody will hear hear your show. And uh, oh, and on top of that, this film will probably go to to the United Kingdom and and the English speaking countries somewhere in June. Okay. I know I've been getting a lot of those notices too. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. Thank right. you. Bye bye. Bye. There she is, May Pang. Um, I have a million questions I could have asked her. I, I had exactly 30 minutes with her, so I think I used up all my time. But, uh, um, boy, that was that was interesting. Yeah, I'm a, got a, I'm a nerd. Uh, we have people to thank. Uh, we have to provide our special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. we got to thank Brandon Herman, who... 
scored this interview for me. I'm very uh, appreciative of that. Uh, we're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of Manusha Men's Celebrity Interview. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?